0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pokemon Masterclass. I'm your host, Pokinav, and each episode, I bring you experts from across the Pokemon card world to take your knowledge of the TCG to the next level. My guests today are collectors, investors, and hosts of one of the best Pokemon YouTube channels discussing the underlying market and economic influences impacting the TCG, Please, everyone, welcome the John Maynard Keynes and Milton Friedman of the Pokemon card world, Jake and Rafi from Pokenomics. How's it going, guys?
1: Good. I love that. Do I get to be Friedman or do I have to be Keynes?
0: You know, I'm going to let you guys <laughs> decide because uh, unfortunately, neither of those gentlemen are, are very good looking. So I I mean, no disrespect when I say that only from the standpoint of your intelligence and your knowledge with the market. Trust me. <laughs> but again, guys, it is so good to have you here. Uh, you know, we were discussing before the podcast started. Um, it's, it's funny how the Pokemon world is so small and how all of us kind of, in one way or another, follow each other, keep tabs on each other. And uh, I've been watching you guys since you started, found your content uh, really, really good. And uh, again, it's just a full circle experience once again for me having you guys here. So again, thank you so much for being here and taking your time. So as I said, you guys do a great job of breaking down market trends and factors impacting investment decisions. That's where a lot of people come to you. And I'm sure we'll be getting into you know investment talk and all that good stuff. But the real reason uh, that I wanted to have you both on today is that you are really the only channel I'm aware of uh, discussing two concepts I find fascinating really. And that is the historical impact of cards and sets and the psychology of the market and how these two things influence the larger Pokemon market. And, uh, I find it really interesting, and Jake, I've watched uh, or been a part of some of your live chats as well. And uh, every time that you bring up, you know, the fact that you you really enjoy the the history of cards and the history of sets and the psychology of the market, I I, I wait I, I wait for the chance for you to really dive into that. And then, sure enough, somebody jumps in and it's like. What should I buy right now? <laughs> What's undervalued right now? Um, so I'm really interested to dive more into uh, these two concepts here and, uh, and really get uh, a little bit more detail and provide the larger community because I think both of these are, are very important when we look at the Pokemon card market kind of from a macro perspective. So uh, I guess we'll go ahead and start, uh, well, I, I should say first, for those out there that aren't, uh, m- maybe not familiar with you guys, uh, would you mind just giving a little bit of background and uh, just kind of tell us where you come from and, and what made you jump to, to YouTube to provide this knowledge?
1: I want to go first, Rafi. Um, I can give the, the very beginning and then Jake, you can take it from there. I guess the very beginning is, is Jake and I um, met because I'm friends with with his girlfriend, have been for a long time. We sort of hit it off and only a while into our friendship and we realized that we were both secretly into Pokemon. Um, we had this amazing conversation went on late into the night when we both realized it. Um, and at some point down the line, Jake, you know, Jake is sort of a more serious collector and investor than I am, but he was telling me about um, it, you know, at the time that the content was very limited. This is before COVID hit. The content that really delved into the financial aspects um, was super limited. He was telling me who else was out there. And we were like, this stuff is not good information, right? It is like not helpful to people. It's borderline market manipulation. Like someone out there really needs to be the voice of like honesty right honesty about the limits of our knowledge and just you know go go to some things you were talking about more about history more about economics more about psychology um and i was like jake you have to be the one to do this and so part of i think what you know my big motivation for this was just to help uh jake get an audience and get a channel. and he's done the lion's share of the work but i really think he deserves to have a really big voice because he's such a positive influence on the community i think so helpful to
0: people definitely definitely Thanks, Matt. <laughs>
2: well, uh, well um, yeah, I mean, I remember us just kind of talking that, you know, it would be a fun project for us to do. Um, we love talking about Pokemon. We love talking about finance in general, investing in general. We love psychology. We love philosophy, you know, all of these sorts of things. And I think in a lot of ways, our channel, we use Pokemon, but we're really talking about a lot of broader issues and market mm-hmm. issues that affect any market. And we're passionate and love talking about the cards. And and as you said, our, I'm very interested in in history, learning about, delving deep into specific markets. You know where prices came from. Um, you know how sustainable have they been over time. You know looking looking at the data um, and trying to you know theorize and speculate. You know why. You know what's happening. Why might that be? And yet at the time. Um, uh, Part of it for me was just like I had a bunch more time, honestly, because I my hobbies of like playing basketball and like playing music and doing other sorts of things outside the house just disappeared. So I was like, now nah, probably a, a really good time. And you know, we 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 started to notice, you know, starting sort of j- really January of last year, an uptick um even a little bit before that in some of the early like gym challenge gym heroes were actually some of the first sets to start to move and then into jungle fossil neo and then finally first edition base when we're talking about vintage and it was interesting to watch that happen and people really weren't talking about it or speaking about it actually at that point it was really later when people started talking about the movement so we felt that it would be great to kind of help people try and understand that 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 sort of stuff we weren't expecting that and we probably should have that a lot of other people (laughs) feel the same as us and, and, and want to do that too, which, which I think's, you know, great. Um, and, uh, I'm not sure I would feel as much of a need to start the channel now, but I'm, I'm happy because there are a lot of people I think helping. And I think that's where it really came from was a, like wanting to be that helpful voice for the community to, to help steer that. Um, but we, we really love it. Like I, I actually really enjoy doing it. I I love the live chats in particular, and it's been a really fun way to communicate with more people. And I think we're all pretty, you know, fairly on the socially isolated side of of things. So even just making a lot of friends in the community has been, has been Mm -hmm. really great, great for me and uh, doing something with Rafi, you know, has been, been a lot of fun for, for both of us, I think. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. For sure. And I can attest to the fact I think you guys have been a, a fantastic influence for the community. And you came at a very serendipitous time, in my opinion, because you started your channel and you started uploading videos Uh I would say right before the big fanaticism really happened. And so along the way, you've really been able to rein people in and, and let them set their expectations at, uh, you know, a, a comfortable level, you know, you guys never get, uh, you know, too far outside on, on any extreme, you really try to keep an equilibrium on your channel. And I, I truly appreciate that. And as you said, uh, many of these things, especially what we're going to talk about today, uh, people will look at that as uh, maybe extraneous or, or erroneous to the hobby. But when you look at things from a macro perspective, I've said before, uh, the Pokemon hobby in the Pokemon market does not exist in a vacuum. There is a lot of extraneous factors that go into uh, what we're seeing now and what we may um, experience in the future. So, uh, again, uh, big kudos to you guys uh, for doing this and, uh, and for really bringing another uh, more financially sound and economically sound voice to the hobby. So, now that I've given you guys enough praise. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> So let's go ahead. I think the, the first one that we'll go ahead and jump into here is history. So for others out there that are listening to this and they're thinking to themselves, well, what does the history of Pokemon really have to do with it? And how does that affect uh, its long-term uh, investment potential? Uh, what would you guys say? What, what is the importance of... Uh, of history of a particular card or a set, uh, what does that history have uh, on its long-term collectability or its uh, investment potential?
2: Yeah, well, I, I, a few things come to mind. So, first of all, I enjoy the history, and that has nothing to do with investing. I, I you know, just as a appreciator and, and lover of the hobby, I love learning about the art about the different artists about where the cards came from um you know niche all the different sort of niche vintage you know sort of interesting japanese cards even even pre-tcg stuff that's just a passion and 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 a love of mine separate from from the investing or finance but it's definitely very important for investing um as well i think that part of what is sort of happening now and this is extremely understandable is there there's so many cards and there's so much to know and there's so much history that when you don't really under, when you don't really know the first of all the price history of certain things which is a very important part of history is you can know the history of the release of where you know where the where the card came from what is going to make it historic or stand out but then also knowing the the price history and having a sense of when did it spike how did it spike how did it move to, to try and predict or understand some of those price patterns um, so all of that's important with history uh in terms yeah in terms of of determining where where a card might go um, but what i was saying before was you know this idea that i you know i think that because our i think our hobby is so so much of the demand and so much of the money is from newer people there's a big knowledge gap um, that's Mm -hmm. happening there and an extremely understandable knowledge gap for no fault of anyone out there, particularly the people who are really trying to, to learn this stuff and understand that stuff. And that's where I think that there are opportunities for lesser known type cards that have really great, what I would call fundamentals to them, you know, rarity, scarcity, really cool art, you know, really cool historic release, all these sorts of things you know very very similar to maybe like a delivery pikachu but everyone knows about delivery pikachu so that's going to have a much bigger you know uh maybe inflated or or relatively you know inflated price to some of these other other promos that people may not know about and so that that type of stuff from an investor perspective is how i think you're going to you're going to do better than average sort of over time because i do think that of course in the short term Anything, anything can get hot and it can seem completely random, you know, which mm-hmm. set, which card goes up in the short run. But I, I think in the long run, you know, when we look at other hobbies, we, we do see patterns kind of built around around those, those types of value assessments. What, what do you think, Rafi?
1: Yeah, I think that's definitely true. I think the biggest uh, thing to figure out in any form of investment is to what extent does the past predict the future, um, if at all? And in, in sort of general, like personal finance investing, I'm, I'm sort of a big, a big uh, believer of the theory that usually past performance does not predict future performance at all when it comes to picking stocks or picking funds, right? That like, there's that famous example, the Wall Street Journal saying like basically a monkey throwing darts at a dartboard would pick stocks just as well as, you know, a Wall Street analyst because the market behaves randomly in the short term. But the question is, in the long term, does it do that, right? And so if you invest in the total market via a vehicle like the S&P 500, um, you can say, well, if we go back 150 years, and I've actually done this, like I've created a model of, of the stock market over the last 150 years of the United States history, um, there's a clear trend to it. And that trend doesn't follow every day or every year, but over long periods of time, 10 years, 20 years, definitely 30 years, you can generally expect a 9 to 10% annualized return. Of course, I'm not an investment advisor. None of this is investment advice. This is just my observation. And so that's why if, you're, if your goal is like to invest for retirement, you put something in an index fund, you can expect that growth in the long term and ignore the day-to-day volatility. So with something like Pokemon, what really struck me about Jake and his analysis and why it was so astute is... He was not just looking at Pokemon cards. He was looking into the history of other collectibles, including sports cards, but even other collectibles like comic books and things like that, which I think is super, super important because it's very possible that Pokemon cards have not been around long enough to have any kind of predictors of future behavior, right? Maybe even, you know, 25 years of history for the TCG is not enough to really know what's going to happen. Definitely not at the macro level for the hobby. But if you look at other hobbies that have gone through similar trends, you might be able to derive a pattern from that. And that's why I think Jake's general way of looking at this is so important, because he's zooming back far enough to get those predictors of future behavior.
2: Yeah, and, and the, the reality is that all of this is such a tremendous risk, because even those hobbies are not really old enough to feel very confident um, in terms of collectibles being stuff that you know, there, there are these certain elements of collectibles that I think make them valuable to the people. Um, you know, that we talk about in terms of, you know, age, historic quality. You know, we, we have videos, plenty of videos on our channel going through the different value assessments, you know, what SM Pratt says, what Scott says, just you know, older, rare mentor better as a short thing. There are other things too on that list. Um, but yeah, it's 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 very difficult to um, predict like where this is going to be in five to 10 15 20 years Mm -hmm. and what has happened in the last year is a incredible anomaly in the world in i think all collectibles to be completely honest um you know and stocks i mean we're seeing these really unique things happen with with you know gamestop right now you know there's all these very unique events and for anyone to have any sort of confidence in understanding what that is going to lead to, I, I kind of reject that that mm-hmm. this idea that 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 this stuff is very predictable. But I but for me as a value investor, I do believe that the in the long term, people are going to want to collect things that they enjoy that they, that they like. I mean, the reason you collect something is because an item is important to you. You know, means something to you. And so I think trying to take a step back and it's where you can really merge that sort of collector investor approach to kind of get an advantage over people who are really just here, I think, in the short term to speculate on on hype and momentum investing, which is can be very, very profitable, of course, in the, in the short term, depending on how well you do. And we see that in the stock market with with, you know, Lots of people who were value investors who are shorting the market getting destroyed right now versus, you know, some of these investors who are going heavy into stocks like Tesla. And, you know, again, we're not financial advisors here. I think you actually are, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> former. Former, former. former. But, but But yeah,
2: you know, it, it creates these interesting times. But I think for me, I want to own most of my collection for a very long time. And I want to feel comfortable and confident that it's going to retain some value but it's also about the game and about trying to predict and, and having fun with that you know but mm-hmm. I, but i think and i'm sorry as people know on my channel i'm a bit of a uh, i have lots of thoughts and i kind of <laughs> ran all over the place <laughs> rafi sort of drags me back in um but um but yeah yeah to predict i think it's where i where i worry for people is people who are really trying to find patterns in this market and think that this stuff very much makes sense and is, is predictable. That's where I, I I don't agree. I don't, I don't see that. I think a lot of the stuff we're seeing on modern right now is interesting and and certainly makes sense and could set some new norms and we're all going to learn a lot from it, but trying to predict, you know, movement on these types of things feels very, very challenging, but um, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, and you're absolutely right. And a couple things that I want to highlight there is I'm sure you guys are familiar with this uh, saying, uh, but in the financial world we say it's not about timing the market, it's time in the market. And basically, you know, the the longer that you can sustain yourself in the market, um, you you can have a diversified approach to your portfolio, to your investments. The better off you're generally going to be. And, you know, much like what we're seeing in the stock right stock market right now, like you said, people shorting. We're seeing a similar thing with Pokemon. And it's also a scary time to want to predict where things are going to be. Because as you said, we are in a time right now that we've we have no, again, historical precedence for um and so the gains and and the tremendous surge that we've seen in pokemon this year many people are trying to use this as their barometer to predict to predict things you know five ten years down the road so it is quite an uncertain time and you know as i said we're seeing that in the stock market as well um you know i've been looking at you know you brought up the S and P 500 um, when you look at it from a market cap perspective, there's about six companies that make up the lion's share of that market cap. You know, the Google, we call them the alphabet, Microsoft, Amazon, uh, Apple. And uh, when they're making up the lion's share of the market well, they've done really well during the pandemic because of the nature of their business. But you know, what about the other 494 companies? You know, so it, it, that in a way is sort of analogous to what I see in the Pokemon market as well. And, and again, it's, it's good to look back on history because we do the same thing in the financial markets. We look back on historical precedents that have far reaching effects on your current economy. So with that, um, I guess my, my next question for you guys, uh, would be, you know, Give me an example of you know uh, maybe a set or a card uh, that has a historically significant event uh, that we've seen the long term value of that
2: I think a, a really good example is like the original tropical wind um, card for for people who do you know that card poking mm-hmm. out yeah yeah. That? Um, um, I think because that card is not a hollow, <laughs> you know, which is generally going to be one one strike against it. There are about 180 of that card in the world, which is actually not that few when we compare it to other trophies, you know, other more even more modern trophies. I mean, even if we compare it to the like Art Academy 2015 cards where there are a hundred of each, you know, those cards are selling and have been selling for. You know they were selling for a long time for about and this is about history right we everyone should know the numbers and if you're buying these cards you should have them um you know those cards were selling for about 750 dollars in psa 9 then they jumped up to about a thousand thousand five hundred who knows what they're going for right now the art academy cards at the same mm-hmm. time the tropical wind card was selling for about 10000 in in a psa 9. um you know now in a psa 9 I think, you know, one sold, I think, for 55 a little bit ago. Trophies have actually been going up uh, still while other cards have been going down. Um, mm-hmm. Not Modern. Other, other Vintage retrace a little bit. Modern moderns very, very fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love seeing what's happening in Modern. It's so interesting. Um, uh, yeah. But um, so I think that's an example of because it was from that, that first amazing historic Tropical Mega Battle tournament. And because it's the first of that line of those amazing um, worlds promo cards, that was that really stood out to me as a card that I wanted to own. And I think a lot of other people feel the same way and felt the same way, which is why it garnered that price. Unlike, you know, like there was that one of one card, right? These one of one cards with a with a guy's face on the trophy. It's like, you know, really interesting, really cool story. Um Uh, So there is some interesting history there, but maybe not as good looking or you don't want a guy's face (laughs) on your card, you know. (laughs) So it's, it's where sort of the good lookingness of the card, the story that goes along with Psyduck being on that card and then being in all of the other world's promo cards that I think gives some value to that card where there wouldn't be. Another really good example is the University Magikarp, you know, Unicarp, which I'm not a huge fan of. But the reason that card has value is because it, it, of its release and how it was released. Cause they're, they're probably, you know, the intended distribution was a thousand dollar was, it was a thousand of those cards versus the 180 versus the 100 people go back and forth on how many there actually are. Um, people think that there might be quite a bit less. And that was just the intended distribution. So when you're dealing with trophies, there's always that sort of thing, but that card has a, has a, a reprint that anyone, that anyone can get where there are, uh reprint in the sense of they 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 had that art basically reprinted on a on a on another card that was very common and easy to get so it's really the history of that release mm-hmm. that I think makes that interesting. If it was kind of a meh release, people might not want it. So we'll see, you know, the market is so young and people have there's such a knowledge gap right now. You know, so few people probably watching, you know, and they probably more so on on channels like yours or, or mine but less so on, on people who are just typing into YouTube for the first time, what Pokemon cards should I buy? Of
0: course <laughs> yeah. or buy
2: modern, Which is a huge part of the market, very understandably right now.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: In 20 years, that's going to disappear. That knowledge gap is going to disappear. And people who stay in the hobby, even in five years, a lot of that knowledge gap will disappear. You know, People who've been in the hobby 15 years, even three, four, five years have such an advantage right now. Over people, over people who are brand new. In three, four, five years, that'll, that'll disappear, even in one to two years for certain people. Um, and that's when I think you're going to see cards that have really interesting releases where people actually know the numbers and there's reason for the value. It's not just that's what people are buying or that's what someone told me to buy. It's I'm buying this because I see the value. I understand it for myself. That builds in a confidence that wouldn't be there you know, if, so if prices start going down on something like that, I'm like, why? Well, I, I see the value here. I'm not worried. Whereas if you own a card where you're like, I don't know why this is valuable. It's just very valuable. <laughs> and the prices start going down, you're going to see potentially more people panicking or, or, oh, I didn't actually like this card that much. I was just buying it because other people were buying it or, you know, it's part of that collect what you love, you know, type of thinking can, can go in there. So.
1: And I think that, Jake's point gets at something that we talk a lot about, which is kind of the advantage that being a collector gives you as an investor. Like mm-hmm. if, you, if you do this as a thought experiment, right? Imagine someone's brand new to Pokemon and they're trying to make bets on cards. They might think, okay, like what are the most popular Pokemon of all time? And they'll look up one of those surveys that the Pokemon company did and what are the top 25 most popular Pokemon and use that as maybe a guiding point versus if you play Pokemon as a kid, if you've been in and out of the, the hobby for 30 years or you know, 20, 25 years like we have, right? That stuff, it, it, it's like innate for us, right? And it's not gonna be the same as whatever the survey said, but it's like, we have our own personal affinity to different Pokemon characters and different specific cards that just like, because we are literally the target market, we're the ones who are buying it for fun, either to play the game or to collect the, the cards. And so it gives you a huge advantage when it's like, you understand the psychology of buyers because you are a buyer, right? Not just a flipper, not even just a long-term investor. And so that gets to, I think, Jake's, you know, point that he talks a lot about, about like intrinsic value. It's hard to know what the true intrinsic value of something is, right? Because everyone has a different perception of it. But chances are, if there's a Pokemon that I really, really like, a lot of people like it too. If there's a piece of art on a card that I think is really cool, a lot of other people think it too, because I'm not new to this, right? Because I've been, you know, enjoying these characters since I was 10 years old or whatever. And
2: there can be a logic behind it, right? Like if you really like a Pokemon because you played it in the Game Boy game, and, but you don't think other people probably played it, that isn't a, that isn't a good reason why people are, other people are going to like it. But if you like it and that reason seems like it's going to be similar for a lot of people, you know, anal- doing that self-analysis of why you're drawn to a certain card, that's how you can really um, do very well, I think, over time. You know and, mm-hmm. and you know where Pokemon goes overall nobody knows people say it's gonna quadruple again people saying it's gonna crash and be worth nothing you know n- no one no one really knows but but overall I think within the Pokemon market having that knowledge and that logic and that rationality behind your purchases those those items are gonna stand up a lot mm-hmm. better than, than mm-hmm. the items that don't have that
0: yeah yeah and you guys highlight the importance I think of Uh, the collectors and the collector mindset because if you go back 20 years ago uh, did we really think that things like swirls on watsi hollows or misprints that those would garner a premium nowadays probably not but they were interesting to collectors collectors like to you know find those particular cards because there were one-offs and i think that's also an example of you know, just trying to find, I guess you could call them the, the diamonds, um, in the rough. And then yeah. the other thing is, I, you know, and I've said it on my channel, uh, you know, along with, you know, what, like SM Pratt says, you know, scarce or rare or minter. Um, I also like to look for commemorative type of products, products that are released with maybe around certain milestones or to celebrate certain events. Um, you know, a, a recent one could be the, uh, I probably botched the name, but the Kanazawa uh, Pokemon Center box, we've seen a, a pretty good increase in value in that. And I think it probably lends to you know that, that sentiment. Um, do you guys think, because I personally, so when I first started, I was uh, kind of giving a similar sentiment around evolutions. Now, I think there's multiple factors working towards the, the increase in price that we've seen in Evolutions. Again, I think one is just time in the market. It's about five years old now. But do you think that because Evolutions was really released around what I've called the Renaissance period for Pokemon, do you think that this is maybe an underlying factor that we're, we're starting to see play out for this particular set?
2: Yeah, evolutions is fascinating. So evolutions has been, you know, a set that Rafi and I talk a lot about, and I think it's it's a, it's such an interesting. Um, uh, there's so many facets of evolutions that make it not investable, and then make it very investable. And I think that's why it's such an interesting set to watch. Kind of what wins out in terms of what you're talking about, the reasons why it is so investable or, or was so undervalued, potentially. And and I will mm-hmm. say that that. We're gonna like. I want to see what it's going to be at in 5, 10, 20 years, and how it does. You know, um, because hype and people speculating doesn't mean doesn't mean that it's uh, 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 that the that people are really buying that product, holding and opening it. We we can go into that, but mm-hmm. you know, the the negatives of evolutions, of course, is supply. That's that's the main one. But I do think, and I think we're where you um, uh, first of all. And I, and I don't know, Pokinavi. Mean, you can tell me, but you know, I I think that ev- evolutions has gone up so much because of uh, a few factors. <laughs> One, it's of course just the amount of demand, new money, new people. You know, I, I I analyzed about how many boxes were being sold, and it was something like like fifty million dollars, like. 25 to $50 million probably mm-hmm. has been put into Evolution's booster boxes to get enough of the supply off of the market that it's gone to a $1,000. So when stuff moves, like that's a humongous amount of money. With that amount of money in Pokemon, you could do some amazing damage on the vintage side, right? And mm-hmm. so this, now who, who is buying it? Is is it individuals buying lots and lots of boxes to speculate where they could put that into vintage instead, but they view that as, a better long-term investment, or are they viewing it as a as a really good hype-driven vehicle that they're going to make short-term money on it before it collapses? You know, mm-hmm. it's there's a lot of potential interesting things that I think are going on with that. When a lot of people buy something, there's an interesting psychology that goes around it that'll no one wants it to go down. Like everyone, a lot of people have stake in it. And that can mm-hmm. also create some artificial price, artificial hype, artificial enjoyment. You know. I I think that your point when it was going for a hundred twenty dollars that you see that you think this this box should be, you know, higher or, or be more valuable. You know, I would have disagreed with you at, at that point.
0: To I be think everybody did.
2: <laughs> yeah, but but you know, so far you've been uh, correct. If your assessment was that it was going to go up a lot this quickly, and then I'd be interested to hear sort of what your because I, cuz i think this idea that it took 4 to 5 years to sort of like bloom doesn't compute with my feeling on that set i feel mm-hmm. like nobody wanted it at all and then which is ac- which was the reality
1: for sure mm-hmm. yeah i can i can jump in on that point because i think that's where the history matters so much like yeah. that was right before evolutions was when i got back into just very casual collecting and buying modern product and evolutions became a literal like meme in the the community of people who were buying modern cards for fun or to play with it it was like a terrible terrible set right from a playability standpoint almost none of the cards were usable in like tournament grade decks and from a collectability standpoint the nostalgia was cool but like not didn't quite live up to its potential it was kind of the consensus and so you could see evolutions they like the pokemon company was trying like crazy to dump the product right mm-hmm. potentially because demand didn't meet expectations potentially because they just printed so much we don't know what the answer is there but like everywhere you went like all these like repack products with three packs that you can get at whatever stores like those always had evolutions bjs the the big box retailer which i talk about because we shop there one time had a thing where they literally just stuffed eight extra evolutions packs into one of those like ex boxes they literally just stuffed them in there like Nobody wanted them. And this was as recently as like six months ago, not even kidding, Mm -hmm. right? Six months ago, you buy a thing that had like 12 evolutions packs for $25 of BJs. And so, my like part of it is for me, it's hard to forget that, right? If I want to be like Mm -hmm. a truly astute, rational investor, I, I have a hard time even believing there's intrinsic value in evolutions, just because I have that memory of a time where people like it was like icky, like literally nobody wanted it. Nobody could care less. Every time you bought like a collection box and it had an evolutions pack in it, you were bummed. So it's crazy to see how much things have turned around. But this might be a case where either the history serves you well as an investor or it doesn't because it's biasing you.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think clearly, right, the argument would be and this happens a lot is that
1: you know, old guard
2: says something isn't valuable. And so people listen to it when actually they do like it, but it's just too cheap for them to like it. And then when the prices started going up on evolutions, they actually did like it the whole time, but the prices going up actually made them realize they liked it, mm-hmm. which is, which is what happens often, you know, cause when something's very cheap, people think it's bad, but if something goes up in price, people take another look. Mm-hmm. I think that And clearly, the huge amount of new people in the hobby, um, if we think that the reason Evolutions did really well in 2016 was people were rediscovering their childhood initially, and a number of people really liked it. And so if we think a, a huge amount came in now again, having the same experience with Evolutions, and all of that is supernatural, not artificially hyped at all, like, and it was enough. That's the part that I was surprised about because I believed that would happen, uh, PokéNav, but I just didn't think it would be nearly enough to wipe out the supply. That was the part that that really shocked mm-hmm. me because I just, I knew people had like thousands of these booster boxes they couldn't dump. Like they like literally no one could get rid of. Um, and, and, the, and the quickness, right? It was like a week or two weeks. Mm-hmm. It went from 100 to 400. It wasn't like, oh, this set is slowly aging and becoming interesting and valuable. It was like suddenly and every like people started making videos, lots of videos on, on YouTube saying evolutions is like the best thing to buy. You know, to your credit, you, were, you said it before. Most people who were making those videos and you gave reasons for why, you know, most people who are making those videos were kind of following the hype train and were like, frankly, brand new to Pokemon themselves and making tier lists and just putting it at the top. And people right. love tier lists and they they would people new into the hobby, they search for a tier list, it tells them what to buy, and then that mm-hmm. confirmation it's like, oh, it's base set. I feel comfortable with that. This person tells me it's a good investment. Okay, great. I feel comfortable with that. Like all of that stuff, I think, went went into that product. But you know, I'll tell you, like. There's way crazier things going on right now in some modern, mm-hmm. like in this, in the, some of these PSA cards. And what I would say is, boost like the evolutions booster box has a much, much better chance, in my view, of retaining value than any of the PSA cards inside that box. That's that's where I have a really hard time, and and I own. 10 psa 10 like uh not psa 10 english charts, It's the seat because that's impossible to get as everyone mm-hmm. knows but the cp6 version you know which is obviously very closely related you know and so i i certainly have invested stake in that now i got bought those cards for a dollar three dollars four dollars you know because that's what i what they were being valued at now i can sell those things for like a thousand dollars each you know with oh, yeah. that crazy returns in a year this is one year it's a one thousand percent return on a card mm-hmm. you know so it's, it's, that's crazy. Like that shouldn't make you feel like a genius. That should make you feel <laughs> like people have no idea what they're doing because that's <laughs> to be completely honest with, them, because that's, that's now they don't know probably that I bought that for a dollar. Cause they're hearing people, you know, you know, and, and again, it's, it's, this isn't Amazon. Like this isn't a, a great idea that was misunderstood and not correctly evaluated because people un- underestimated the technology or you know these are pokemon cards like exactly like you know so that's where i worry i think when you see um those sort of companies or those sorts of assets come out of nowhere it's a lot more understandable although i do think that evolutions was missed i think level x is and i was a big proponent of level x is mm-hmm. for the exact same reason of of the old guard is sort of too negative and i'd love to hear your, your thoughts pokey i'm sorry i'm talking so much um you know uh th- that negative you know there was like that that irrational sort of negativity but the fundamentals were really good i think for me what i loved about the level x's though was the the um how little there were of those compared to anything in the sun and moon era and anything later and yet the sun and moon stuff was already selling for more than the level x's when i was buying the level x's which made absolutely no sense whereas Mm -hmm. evolutions is actually the most printed set probably of all time even more than any Mm -hmm. ultra modern set so what do you think of all that um and
0: well, boy, you guys have given me a lot to parse out there. Um, but yeah, Sorry, the first thing—the th- <laughs> <laughs> first thing that I have to say is, I think you're absolutely right. With, uh, you know, in economic terms, we they call it conspicuous consumption, and and this is something that I, I want to get into when we kind of get more into the psychological nature of this. Uh, but when people start to see that. Um, you know, going up rapidly, especially, which it was, it was sitting at $100 for years and years. And they saw that rapid increase. And so I think a lot of people jumped onto to uh, that bandwagon, which I, per- I don't advocate that in the slightest, because that, to me, does not create, a, you know, a, a good foundation for or a long term foundation for any type of investment. I, I personally would not advocate that at all. But going back to, you know, as as far as the characteristics of evolutions, um, I think that, you know, in in others that I've talked to, um, other collectors and investors, once we reach about that. Four to five year time horizon uh, for mini sets, that's when you start seeing that increase in value. Usually, that's about enough time for it to get outside of that reprint window, which is something that we run the risk of a lot with modern and ultra modern. We've seen that, uh, you know, and some sets aren't nearly as affected. Hidden Fates hasn't seemed to be nearly as affected as others. Um, but I knew once we were starting to get to that time horizon, we were getting out of that that uh, time frame. And uh, I, like you said, I think Pokemon did. They knew that they weren't going to be printing. And I think this lends to the uh, Pokemon's thinking that they didn't want to print it anymore is that they were dumping a lot of product. And I think, especially in the time that it occurred, where we have a pandemic, we have less manpower, we have less printing power. Pokemon said. Why are we continuing to print this set that is, you know, four years old, let's focus our resources on our new products. So that I was kind of forecasting and that I was kind of speculating on. And then probably the biggest thing would be, I hate to give it this term, but I've kind of developed it for it. It's the poor man's base set. So as, as you said, as many people come back into the hobby, and they see the prices of First edition base set, unlimited base set, uh, even Japanese base set, just skyrocket and get out of the price range of so many of them. I think it was more or less uh, kind of a call to action of I want to get that nostalgia, I want to get these cards that I knew as as a kid, and I think that kind of gobbled up a good portion of that supply. It, it was just I think more or less just serendipitous in the fact that there were so many people coming back into the hobby. And obviously a lot of that is due to the influence of people like Logan Paul. You have Steve Aoki, a lot of people bringing attention to it. And, you know, people look out on the open market and they say, well, I'm not spending $20,000 for an unlimited booster box. Hey, there's a reprint here and it's sitting, you know, even at $500. Hey, I'll pick that up. Hey, there's a Charizard in there. I'm going to pick that up. So I think that's kind of where a a lot of it, um, a lot of it comes from, and that's where my thinking was uh, surrounding it. Um, but again, I, much like you guys, I was really rationalizing it uh, around that that historical uh, precedence that had been set, kind of that Renaissance, that that time that so many people were coming back into the hobby, not nearly as much as now, uh, but but definitely a time uh, that I think a lot of people look back on fondly. So yeah, if it's that okay, I'll take.
1: Yeah, thank you. I'll jump in because I, you know, I have to to run early, and I'll let you guys continue. But two points mm-hmm. I just wanted to leave with. Um, one is on that point. I think there's an interesting theory that says basically cheaper products actually should have a value premium placed on them because they're cheaper, right? So people come into the hobby and they basically have a spending limit, and if they stay in the hobby, that spending limit goes up and up and up. We all know that sort of feeling, mm-hmm. right? Of at the beginning it seemed crazy to me to spend more than like $10 on an individual card, maybe 20, right? It was like my maximum that I would spend any card no matter how meaningful it was. Jake helped me increase that limit by virtue of his <laughs> bullishness, but, but that increases over time. But when you come into the hobby, you're like this card is, is, um, is currently going for less that might make that card more valuable because it means the newcomers can grab it to it because they're priced out of everything else. So I think mm-hmm. that's sort of an interesting factor to consider. The second thing, and this is more of a theory that I'll just leave you with, as a potential theory, um, is that we might be in a phenomenon where there's basically, I don't know the technical term for this, but there's more capital to be allocated, more investment money that people want to invest, than there are investable vehicles to put it in. And we, we're, I think we're seeing this as well in the macro economy. So I'll give one example that I was actually talking with someone about today. If you're familiar at all with SPACs, I think it stands for Special Purpose Acquisition Vehicle, basically a new sort of trend in finance, a new way to IPO company. But essentially what you do is you invest money in a fund manager who's then going to take company public. And you're going to have first access to that. What's crazy is that these fund managers have not yet picked out the company that they're going to take public and put your money in. So you're basically betting on the manager. You think this is a good smart person. They're going to find a good company and make it work. The stat that I last saw, and this might be out of date, it may not be correct, is that there were 250 SPACs out there, like reputable fund managers, whatever, that did not yet have targets or even a proposed target in sight. So what you're seeing is just this massive amount of capital. People have nowhere else to put it. You could argue it's because interest rates have been kept at zero dollars for so long. You could argue it's because of stimulus and you know, printing money due to the pandemic, whatever the reason is too much capital, not enough places to allocate it. People are literally handing over blank checks to fund managers. They have no idea where the money's gonna go. The fund manager has no idea where it's gonna go probably is going to go nowhere. That's my prediction, but don't quote me on it. And maybe the same thing is happening in Pokemon, right? Maybe it's it's from a collecting standpoint, people are bored at home, stimulus checks, et cetera, the usual, but also maybe people legitimately want to put some of their money into something that's more risky, right? You see this with the GameStop stocks, right? People want mm. to have fun, but also they do want to put money in some more volatile and more risky, but that has more potential upside. And in Pokemon, especially modern, they might be running out of options of things that have good fundamentals like Jake sets. And so when, when they're, all the things that have good fundamentals have been out priced out of your price range, what you turn to next is what the hype train, essentially. So that's just a theory. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's true. I don't know if that's applicable to Pokemon. And I, I'm sorry I have to run and leave early because it's been great, but I'll let you guys discuss it and, and take it from here. Thank you.
0: Hey, I appreciate it, Rafi. Thank you so much for being sure. here, man.
1: There's this weird sort of movement right now,
2: PokeNav. It's very interesting, where they're sort of like, and this is why I think there are some holes in 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 your argument, if you don't mind me kind of mm-hmm. pushing yeah. back a little bit. Go ahead. There's an interesting movement right now saying that vintage isn't very popular, and most people like modern, right? Mm-hmm. But why evolutions? If evolutions is a reprint of vintage, so there's a little bit of a hole there that I and you didn't make that argument, but that that I hear from a lot of people, mm-hmm. and I think it's more that it makes me feel more that there are a lot of people in this space who really want to make money and Mm -hmm. they want the items that they bought to go up. And they're kind of willing to say whatever it takes (laughs) in any sort of public forum um, to, you know, in in a a sort of YouTube comment section, you know, (laughs) saying, trying to put kind of influence and push, you know, like I, you know, when I say talk positively about something, That video gets mostly likes and it gets a bunch of comments saying, yeah, like, that's really great, you know, and I'm like thinking to myself, they probably own it. They just are glad that I talked about it and hoping for sure. So I I think that I do very much agree, though, with Rafi's point. And this was a, a video that I made a while ago and why I put so much money into level X is. You know, I owned about 10% of the level X cards, you know, in, of, of the pops in each of those things. And I mm-hmm. was buying like 10 PSA, 10 first edition hollow of all the vintage, you know, as many vintage cards as I could. Because instead of base set, because base set was too expensive. And my theory was that the less expensive stuff was going to be more uh, attainable for the newer people that were going to come into the hobby. And that they were going to feel more comfortable spending those lower amounts and that the actual, unlike most hobbies, were were their were their original set, or not most hobbies, but something like out like a, uh, uh M- Magic the Gathering, where Alpha has the least printed. In fact, Base Set doesn't. Right, Base Set actually has the most printed, and Unlimited right. has quite a bit printed, in Base at first edition, although probably less than certain sets, but probably not as as little as like something like Nia, which is why I was going heavy after that. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, I saw all of that. I saw that that people were saying that that stuff wasn't very good, wasn't very investable. It was irrational. There, there weren't really good reasons. There weren't compelling reasons to me to think that. But sort of applying that same logic to, to this, I mean, I agree with you. Basically, I don't agree with the four to five idea that that sets go up four to five years after I think it's it's if we look back it's a lot more random and just kind of chaotic and I don't think that's what happened with evolutions here is that it was just like four to five years old and we can go back back and forth on that (laughs) and discuss it it's interesting and I I don't know you know I'm interested to where where you where you have that idea from but um but I do think the rest of your fundamentals were really good on evolutions outside of the supply and for me at the end of the day it was it was a supply thing it was a supply Mm -hmm and personal bias I think on my on my side to be fair and where I got it wrong that they just felt like such proxy cards whereas other people seem to not have that response to them which surprises me but um but yeah
0: yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, when we look at like, you know, the financial markets, you know, a four to five year time horizon, you know, anything over five years, we consider a long-term investment. So really I'm looking at something similar when I'm looking at Pokemon cards and really the, the, the barometer that I'm using there is that reprint time frame. Now it's not guaranteed. I mean, Pokemon could reprint any of these cards anytime that they want to, um, But just kind of, again, going back through, and and again, it's we're in a time now where it is different. You go prior to 2016, reprints weren't exactly a common theme. Even a year, two years after a set's release, you didn't really see the the same level of reprints. So, um, you know, maybe going back that far in history, uh, maybe we have to set a new historical precedent for that, and and I've, to be honest with you, I did not think that evolutions would increase. At the rate that it has, I don't think I would hope. Did. <laughs> I, would hope <laughs> yeah. he
1: that. I would worry about you if you thought that to be like like
2: that would be like like where is he coming up with that from?
0: <laughs> well, and and I feel like a lot of people think that I'm sitting on just this massive cachet of of evolutions. Like I've got two cases of evolutions booster boxes. That's it. That's it, guys. Yeah. And so it's it's not something that I have like a like a um inherent disposition towards or i've got some kind of huge stake in it um it's just looking as you said looking at these various factors and there are some you know like you said there are outliers with uh evolutions that that don't indicate that it's actually uh a long term or it has long-term value um But you just try to weigh all of the pros, all of the cons, and then, you know, as you said, you you make a decision accordingly, similar to, you know, what you've done with, with the level X cards, Um, you know, you can look back things like prime cards, uh, you know, looking at all of these different factors and we we really are in the infancy of pokemon and the pokemon market it's I, I mean the the hobby itself is 25 years old but realistically the investing aspect of that yeah, maybe 10 maybe 10 years that we we're really starting to establish data points analytics really things that we can create a firm financial foundation for mm-hmm. so and, and i've said it before i think that it's going to take, as you said, perhaps another five to ten years for all of this information to come together, and for the hobby as a whole to become educated enough to where we do feel more comfortable in making solid recommendations on products. Because at this point, it's it's kind of the wild west, really. And uh, you know, as a as a former financial advisor. Um, you know, when we are going through portfolio construction, Pokemon is really in the classification of alternative investments. We just call them alternatives. And typically when we're looking at a, a particular portfolio, alternatives usually don't compose more than about 10% of your overall portfolio. And yeah, you know, I've heard you discuss in, uh, in a previous uh, podcast that you were on where there's, situations I think that people find themselves in. And I think this is going to play into the psychology as well, where they're coming into this and they're trying to invest, or maybe they're trying to create a business. And there's really two different ways that people are approaching it. They're creating a business and they're running that business on margin, meaning they're having to move product in order to garner more product to sell. Um, for somebody like yourself, like myself, um, we have our investment classes spread out. So I get, I have income from my, uh, work, obviously I have real estate, I have dividends from my other financial assets. So I don't feel, uh, you know, beholden to any one thing within Pokemon, whereas there's a lot of people who came into this. I mean, you Something's got to give, and I know I'm kind of rambling here, but something's got to give when you look. It's about look time at- you
2: rambled a little bit, because like- <laughs> I've been rambling all the whole time.
0: <laughs> and I, I I can do that as well. So th- this may turn into a really long podcast, but um, you know, when you look at statistically, how many people live paycheck to paycheck? I mean, at the height of the pandemic, uh, you know, or I, I should say, even before the pandemic, this, the recent statistics. of Americans living paycheck to paycheck. Well, when you have such a massive influx of people coming into the hobby and you see all of this money being thrown around from all different angles, something's got to give. And I, I mean, we don't have firm data. Most of it is anecdotal. But I have heard many cases of people who have purchased these products on credit, taken out loans. And that's where that is something that I hate to see because again, we're trying to establish the foundation for the hobby and its long-term viability. And when you see those things going on in the market, it, it gives you a lot of trepidation. And, and I think you're, you're right that there are many products, many sets that we're seeing that have seen exorbitant growth. Um, But much of that is due to, uh, Inexperience and uh, just not having knowledge in the hobby, and and yes. I think that's where it's great that these discussions come about because you know through these, not only am I able to broadcast you and and Raffy to thousands of people, um, maybe millions of people, um, but at the same time. I get educated as well. We go back and forth. We we correspond with each other, and in doing so, we're able to provide, uh, you know, better, not advice, but uh, you know, more sound recommendations. And, and ultimately, the more of that that you have, the more of that discussion that you have going on. I think the better chances we have of this this hobby surviving.
2: I think one big problem you know i try to put myself into the the headspace of a person brand new to understand why they're purchasing certain items that they're purchasing because i think there that there's the, the there's a danger right of of being like people are bad investors that are putting their mm-hmm. money into this you know it's 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 probably better to start with they're actually probably pretty smart investors so what are they see what is what are they seeing here that i'm not seeing and or what are what are they not seeing that i know about and, and I think that that is making me see that card in a different way and why they like it and why I don't, for example. So, mm-hmm. you know, I saw like a PSA. I'm going to pick on one card right now. You know, I saw a PSA 10 um, regular hollow from uh, which set was it um, a Mew from Fates Collide PSA 10 mm-hmm. um, sell for three hundred and sixty dollars in PSA 10, you know, just the regular holo from a from a 2016 set that isn't mm-hmm. a base set reprint, you know, because so we're that's this is where I'm getting it. I don't think it's about base set even a lot. I think people just mm-hmm. want to put money and make money because we're seeing, you know, it's it's a it's a kind it's a cool looking Mew holo. Um, but you know that was a very easy card to pull. I opened a few boxes of that. I have a number of those cards from opening up a few boxes of it. There are hundreds and hundreds of thousands of those in gem mint mint conditions sitting across the world in people's binders right now. Mm -hmm. But people don't know that necessarily coming into the hobby. They see a cool Mew card. So trying to get into the headspace of that person, they see a cool Mew card from a 2016 set that's blowing up, that the price of the box is is blowing up right now because X, Y is... Not just Evolutions, a lot of XY mm-hmm. has really blown, blown up in price that whole era. So they so they think two smart things here. One, Mew, popular Pokemon. So they're actually being smart. Two, XY's moving up a lot, smart. Three, Pop Report's super low. This must be an, a rare, excellent card to buy. In reality, the Pop Report is super low because it was worth nothing, and everyone had a million of them, so no one cared enough to grade it. So that's happening a lot. So there's a lot of these cards that seem very rare in modern. Like when you see a PSA 60, a PSA 80, you know, uh, PSA 10, you know, um, with 80 in the pop of a vintage hollow, particularly if it's from a set where you rarely see boxes, like base set first edition, or you know, some of the neo, the neo sets, or mm-hmm. the e series, or the Nintendo EX era. When when you see that that pop report is likely to maybe only double in the next 20, 20, 10 to 20 years. If that card stays at $360, which it will not Mm -hmm. (laughs) initially, at least unless everyone starts to love that card, right? I mean, demand can spike anything right now because if $50 million can be spent on evolutions, technically that money could go anywhere. You know, there's so much money and interest in Pokemon. But if we compare, right, someone bought that card for $360, there were PSA 10 Neo first edition hollows that went for $360. Right, right. And it's like, you would have to evaluate that card at like, you'd have to like that card thousands of times more, right? To make any Mm -hmm. sort of financial equation there that would make sense. And and I think that that's, that's where people say, well, I like modern and I don't like vintage and these sorts of things but I Mm -hmm. love evolutions, but I love, you know, there's a lot of arguments that I think don't make sense. Um, There's a lot of
0: subjectivity really is kind of what you're getting at here. There's just, there is a lot of subjectivity here um, that I think is, is permeating and um, you know, and that's fine. I mean, to be quite honest, a, a lot of this is subjective um, I mean, granted, you have, again, scarcity, you have pop reports, if you can rely on them. And you have these factors that do lend to uh, a card being more valuable than another. Um, but I think especially, you know, when it comes to, to modern, uh, there is a lot of subjectivity there. And I think that is what is, to be honest, in the end, I think that it, it is Watsy, or i should say vintage that is propping up the modern market so it is because of the popularity of Watsy that modern is even seeing a lot of the the value that it has
2: but yet people are arguing the opposite right people are arguing that i don't like vintage and the reason i'm paying more money for a card that's brand new and not rare mm-hmm. than i would for this very rare vintage cards because i like the modern better even though I got engaged with Pokemon as a kid and that's why I love, like for me, I think what's strange about it all is like, I like all the Pokemon (laughs) and I like all Mm -hmm. the Pokemon cards across the generations. And I just imagine most people who really care about this and it connects to their childhood, you know, weren't just Charizard lovers, Right. right? When I see these huge disparities, even in Charizard prices versus the rest. Again, not how I would evaluate these things as a collector. That's the stuff that gets my, my, my mind moving about how much of this market is going off of hype, of going off of price memory. Do these things make mm-hmm. sense? $360,000 for a PSA 10 first edition Charizard versus $300 for a PSA 10 first edition Neo Hollow, which is a first of appearance of another Pokemon where there are only 60 of those versus 120. You could buy out yeah. that whole market a- 10,000 times over, every one of those cards. -hmm. Or by the one charge. So it's interesting. Now, again, yes, definitely tons of subjectivity, you know, in all of this stuff. But when we go back to what we were talking about in the beginning, value investing. Value investing is the idea that over time, the fun the logic and the fundamentals, as long as you're right and have good logic and fundamentals and you identify the important things, those things are likely going to win out because at Mm -hmm. the end of the day, this is all supply and demand. And the supply and rarity of these things isn't going to isn't going to change. That cannot be manipulated. Mm-hmm. Now, the, now, it can be manipulated in terms of scarcity, right? Because that and that's happening a lot right now. Like evolutions is not rare at all, and yet the boxes are becoming more scarce all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Even though all those boxes are sitting sealed in people's houses, you know, everywhere. So it's not a rare item, but it's a scarce item. Mm-hmm. So there, there's. And that creates a fear of missing out when in reality, there's millions of people who probably want to sell their evolutions at a certain time, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so it's, it's, at the end of the day, you know, it's, if nobody likes vintage, which I don't wouldn't understand how you can like Pokemon and not like where it comes from. I I just don't get it. It's Mm true. But there are people who they swear to me, that's the truth. Then then I completely get it. Why would you ever invest in anything, even if it's rare, if you don't like it? They're one of one, mil- a million one of one things. You can you can buy these like tobacco cards from you know nineteen, like you know over one hundred and twenty years ago for you know some of them for ten dollars. But if there's no demand, just because they're old, you know vintage, mm-hmm. these sorts of things, then then there's no demand. But if we look at comic books as a guide here, the vintage stuff the old stuff, the rare stuff, the stuff that has has rarity um, not because of like manufactured rarity like modern sports or even like modern Pokemon Chase cards, but have that rarity because they were they, these cards were beat up. they were initially mass produced so they were able to garner mass popularity, which is very, very key mm-hmm. for mass- and, and, and is the plus with sets over trophies that it was able to be mass-produced and garner that sort of immense connection to people, but then also for that item to then be rare. And this is why I put, and why I made a million dollars in Pokemon. Like that was my theory, was that those two things are the key to any collectible market. It's that it needs to be mass-produced enough that it's meaningful and touches so many people's lives, but then becomes scarce enough that it creates that huge you know, hyped up situation mm-hmm. where people are willing to, to spend more and more and more. But that's not what's going on in modern. Modern is very interesting. I see, I think the vintage growth, although it certainly was speculative and I think bubbles were formed, particularly it's part of why I sold my unlimited cards. Some of my first edition comment on comments because I knew how much population was out there. Mm-hmm. But But overall that growth to me make perfect sense with the amount of new demand that came in you know and felt like it was collector driven people were jumping over each other to buy the cards because they like rediscovered their childhood and i was talking to a lot of people now there were other people speculating but it seemed more like that a lot of these modern products i don't get that sense you know you're having people buy a hundred of a certain card because they're trying to push up the price not because they want a hundred of that card in their binder and there's a lot of market manipulation going on, intentional manipulation. There's a lot of shill bidding, defensive shill bidding. Um, but at the end of the day, what I will say, you know, end end of rant here. Uh, what I will say at the, at the end of the day, we could still be, and this is, you know, we can still be on the up. T- you know, things could get more crazy. And prices mm-hmm. could keep going up more, and, you know, and I, and and it wouldn't shock me if the Evolutions booster box went to $2,000 with the way that the market is right now. It wouldn't shock mm-hmm. me if that box went back down to $150. Mm-hmm. Um, genuinely wouldn't shock me either way because the amount of supplies out there are so crazy. I think the PSA cards are, and the cards from the set are going to have a really hard time retaining value. Booster box is a lot more interesting because there's also the experience that goes with opening the booster box that people right. pay a premium for mm-hmm. and these pack selling channels, man, they have changed the whole game of modern Pokemon. They mm-hmm. sell, like, I know guys right now who are selling that for $1,500, you know, in Europe, they're doing these pack breaks and they tell their, you know, they're, some of the guys aren't, you know, whatever they tell their subscribers, they're definitely going to make money on it. You know, this is an amazing set to invest in. Like, that's the type of stuff. They're not talking about the rarity, the scarcity of the fundamentals, you know, and to give you credit here and, I, and, and why I like your channel and I, I think there's a lot of value in a lot of your videos is you give reasons why a product stands out to you. You, know, you gave reasons why that Evolutions product stood out to you and you felt like it was going to go up. You, know, you picked out like, that, that first ever promo Charizard. You know, I've seen a few things that you picked out and you were like, this is kind of a unique product or you know, unique special thing that stands out to you. Maybe it'll stand out to other people. And I think mm-hmm. that, that um, that's that's that is at least a step forward, <laughs> a big big step forward. My concern is is this supply and demand of all, of all of those things, and the numbers just don't make sense to me. Like if you can mm-hmm. still you can buy now if 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 the wizards of the coast, if you couldn't buy base set unlimited cards for if you can buy a whole set easily for $1000, right? You could buy like mm-hmm. a decent condition unlimited base set for $1000 right now. Okay? Or you could buy for for $6000 you could buy it in PSA 9. That isn't that much more than a $1000 Evolutions box. And there are people buying cases of Evolutions for like I saw one person buy it for like $8000, $9000. Right? So when we think about that it's like what's really happening here? People mm-hmm. are are actually valuing evolutions more than base set or more than certain aspects of base set. Does that make sense to me as a as a collector, or does that feel like it's hype driven and or just people don't realize how much supply there really is still out there? Mm-hmm. Not to even mention right the packs which are endless and still going out in in new products and the fact that evolutions really hasn't been out of print very long. Even though it's a it's a it's a it's a four or five year old set, it was being you know, printed and distributed and more and more we're coming out for four to five years. So, um, but again, I, you know, and I would never want to tell anyone to sell their revolutions because I think that box in this environment, it's like that box would go over $2,000. Wouldn't shock me. Mm-hmm. What, you know, what I don't expect is the box steadily goes up now for four to five years all of a sudden, but it's possible, you know, we might reach a, a point, but I think there's a lot of that sort of behavior in these prices that's and and to me that does not create these are not stable price points that everyone is sort of feels comfortable and agreed upon there's a lot of negativity towards evolutions there's a lot of positivity there's a lot of Mm -hmm. forces that i think are going to move the price what do you think
0: no I, and I think you're absolutely right. I think that there we have to weigh the perspectives from both angles the positives, the negatives, the pros, the cons. Um, a factor that I would also keep in mind and that you uh, had briefly spoken about is, the rate at which sealed products are being opened. Now, there there may be massive hordes of evolutions sitting in in somebody's home, you know, or thousands of people's homes. Um, my. Um, My contention with that is how long can you really do that, especially if that is their approach where it's, you know, if they've got a horde of evolutions and then shining fates comes out, they get a horde of shining fates and then battle styles comes out, they get a massive coin. Like at some point you're just sitting on so much inventory and maybe you release that a little bit uh, you know, throughout the years. Um, uh, but I actually had this conversation with, uh, with David Person as well about, you know, the, the, cause I've seen it myself. I've seen in uh, sealed collector pages. I've seen the, the big stores of modern products. Now I haven't seen evolutions in particular, but especially products released throughout the sword and shield era, really those released over the course of 2020, I have seen those. And I asked him, I said, you know, do you do you think there is because he was he was bullish on modern. And I said, okay, um, you know, are you worried about the reprints? Are you worried about the massive hordes? And he said, you know, you can only hold on to that inventory for so long and you can only do that for so long. If you're purchasing every new set, ten thousand dollars worth of of booster boxes or sealed products, At some point something's got to give. I mean, there's Maybe there is, but to, to my knowledge, it seems unlikely that there would be that many people out there that are able to, or that would want to hoard that much product time and time again. So, you know, and, and then along with that, the rate at which this product is being opened up, I mean, you can probably attest to this. Um, and I'm going to be guilty of this as well, of doing uh, box breaks on my channel, um, but especially with sets released over the last five, six, seven years, that stuff is being opened up like no other, and and a lot of it is being done in box breaks because this is the dissonance in my head. They're able to to ask such a premium on these packs. I've seen box breaks for Champions Path going, you know, packs going for. 20 25 a pack and it just it makes no sense to me but there i think it boils down in a lot of ways to this conspicuous consumption there's just so much money being pumped in um you know through stimulus and 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 other means that people just and, and people are bored people aren't going out they're not spending that money on vacations and all the things that they have in the past and they're also wanting that social connection, and so you see people just saying, you know what, I'm okay with with uh, taking the hit and spending the premium on these packs, so that one I can get, a, I can feel a part of a community. One I can, uh, you know, get my hands on products, um, and I, I. That's kind of the the thing that that I look at as well is. As we see more people come in, more people are also going to want to profit off of that. And and typically that means opening more product. So, you know, that's that's the other thing that I keep in mind when I when I think of something like evolutions and I see it outside that reprint window, in my opinion. Um, And I see people, I, you know, again, I, I look at it from their perspective as well in saying, wow, this booster box is now at a thousand dollars. I'm going to do a box break and I'm going to charge, you know, 30, 40% over what the current market value of an individual pack would go for. And, and people are, again, trying to capitalize on that. Now, will that eat up much of that, uh, that stock that people might have? I don't know. But again, it's it's weighing those those pros and those cons.
2: So just because I I really track the amount of boxes that are being sold on eBay as much as I possibly can, particularly from these big sellers. And I try and, you know, I talk to people who had a thousand, you know, here and there and how quickly they sold. They most just couldn't possibly be opened at this point in time. But I definitely I think your logic is completely sound there. And it's why I think that the booster box, if you want to invest in evolutions, the booster box is 100% the way to go, um, more than any other set actually.
0: Because I totally agree,
2: still being opened, and the fact that the that the card the the cards inside. Like I expect, it's possible that the booster box will keep going up, and the card and we've already seen the card values go down quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, now other cards have gone up in that set, so there's been sort of an interesting thing. But like the are, you know saw a PSA nine sell for, I think it was like 1200 or something. And then it went down to 300, you know, and mm-hmm. at the same time, evolution's managed to stay firm and, you know, has, has doubled again in price where I don't believe the cards have yet doubled in price. I, I haven't looked at it too much this week. It's been so, so fast, but it's, it's when a box moves very differently than the expected value of the box, it's a very interesting phenomenon. And mm-hmm. that's where you have to think about what's going on here. Well, is it, because the box is so fun to open that their people are paying such a premium for the opening or for the experience definitely could be the case right now in Mm -hmm. in evolutions for sure one two i think that there's people are don't don't aren't doing research and are are just kind of trying to have fun and and enjoy themselves and probably don't and probably are being told by the streamer unfortunately a lot of times that that's what they should buy that's the best set to buy right now they're going to go up a lot like that type of advice Mm -hmm. you know um what that is going to do in the long run, in terms of eating up the product, is is exactly the right question. I completely agree with you, uh, and I think that if you hold those booster boxes, because of the because of the price spikes and because people are still this for you know have this fervor around it and want to open it and that sort of thing, it's going to eat that supply quickly. If this can maintain itself for another year or two, I would imagine a lot of the supply, enough of the supply would get eaten that I would feel more comfortable with that booster box. Mm-hmm. The issue is what happens when prices start to tumble and everyone panics who Mm -hmm. thought that these were like invincible assets that would go up. And if that happens, you could see quick retraces and interestingly less boxes being opened up, which is the exact opposite of what should happen. And is the type of bubble thing, right? Prices, Mm -hmm. but you shouldn't open up boxes when they get more expensive, but really people do because then they value the cards. There's this weird sort of, apology that that happens there um and for me it's like i think part of what's good for me going going to your point before of like and i never thought that you were like buying a lot of this and showing it up or hyping it up i (laughs) i I don't i i i I, if anyone thinks that of you i i you know we're making we're making really huge leaps here (laughs) on, on (laughs) on what i think you're trying to do here which is just like talk about your opinions and grow your channel and like talk about pokemon um, I, I, you know, I, but you know, for me, it's like, I own everything. So it kind of gives me a little bit of a freedom <laughs> of like, you know, people don't necessarily know that they think I just own vintage or whatever. Really, I own a ton of modern in part, cause it was much easier to buy a lot of modern and was, and was mm-hmm. cheaper and I enjoyed it. But for me, I don't have a stake. And if vintage goes up more, or if modern goes up, these are just my analysis based on the numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah. And so I, and I'm sure we have other topics you might want to touch on here other than just evolution. So I know we really got into that, but.
0: Um... Well, no, this is good because really, we we really are moving into this next, or we already have, but talking about this other big aspect that I think so many people overlook is just the psychology. And really that's what we've been delving into in discussing evolutions is the psychology of the the overall market or or a lot of cards a lot of cards that seem just strange and that they are like your your example with the the what was it fates collide mew or furious
2: i think it was fates collide i think from
0: that fates side. collide you yep, know please. same thing here so we're getting into uh this psychology you know and using the exact opposite example from evolutions where we see the booster box going up the value of the cards either stagnating or going down not too long ago we were seeing the opposite with like first edition team rocket where the value of the graded cards psa9 psa10s were just going up and up but the value of the booster box was staying exactly the same and those are all of like the 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 little uh discrepancies that, that we look at there and we go and and we try to study that, you know, and especially, you know, you and Rafi, you guys, you guys are good at that. You guys are good at like having those difficult conversations that people don't really want to hear. Uh, but they're so important because that gives people a more holistic, uh, view. So kind of going on this, you know, this conversation of psychology, um, Will, a lot of the psychological factors that we're seeing right now, do you see those changing in a post-COVID world?
2: Yeah, that's the other point, right, to to talk about there is, is, you know, um, if a lot of that stuff is what's, you know, pushing up the value of, of something like evolutions, you know, or, or these, you know, people are on these um going on these break channels because they don't they can't do their other hobbies they can't go outside they really want that community that connection uh the simplest logical thing to say would be like that that would have a, have some some to a big effect <laughs> Pro- probably mm-hmm. you know uh in in a rational world on the market you know i, I think that um when we look at just like on, online shopping and online sales across the board, even in non-collectible things, it's it's huge. When we look at like video game spending where people aren't investing in video games to make money, but they're spending mm-hmm. lots and lots of money on all of these things, it's for the fun and enjoyment. And so there's a lot of fun and enjoyment people are having now, which they probably won't be looking for as much after, after COVID, um, just speaking logically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that, as an investor, it's something that you should, particularly for leveraging yourself, and I, you know, it goes back to the thing we were talking about earlier, like, I just, I know people who, one guy came to me and he's like, I'm $30,000, you know, just on credit right now, like, leveraged. like, should I sell everything? What should I do? Just, like, panicking. You know, just didn't think, didn't think through Another guy, like, spent his, college, like, big part of his college fund, you know, on wow. this and then made money initially and then lost most of it. He managed to break out basically even, but was buying sort of like around the Logan Paul. And mm-hmm. you know, and it's like the reality is that happens. Like now it, when we looked at crypto, same thing, same thing happened in that bubble. You know, it's it's it feel people feel somehow. And And I guess it's so strange to me, PokiNav, because I guess I'm just sort of the opposite person. when i when I see prices go up a lot, I worry and it makes mm-hmm. me want to sell an item. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and I think that when you're like that, you have to be careful of not being too bearish, of course, because you're For you're sure. know, more kind of naturally sort of a conservative sort of sort of bear type. But I, you know, we'll also say, I was buying every single Pokemon card I possibly could for two years in a row when everyone in my life was saying that I was insane and crazy, (laughs) you know, and I was saying to people, you know, I think these cards will be worth a million dollars. I feel very confident in that based on what I saw in comic books. I think this actually, this franchise might even be equally if not even more connected to kids than comic books were in those eighties eras. And I think the, the amount of supply particularly of some of these cards is comparable to certain golden age comics enough that there's going to be a certain amount of growth. I just never would have expected it to be sort of this quickly type of thing. But I I bring Mm -hmm. all of that up because I think that, that when you're, can you, what was your question again? I'm sorry. I might've lost it.
0: Uh, Just kind of how, uh, how the psychology may change uh, from what we're experiencing right now in the post COVID.
2: So I I think that, that, I do think that, 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 you know, and, and I think this about things like Tesla stock, you know, I, and, and other sorts of things and GameStop. People are buying these things because it's also fun and it's entertainment mm-hmm. and they like watching it. And that is artificially inflating the prices if that fun goes away mm-hmm. because it's not boring anymore. People are investing in Tesla and part because they like Elon Musk and he's fun right? Like Mm -hmm. people are investing in Pokemon because it's enjoyable because it's fun because those, those openings are fun. It's not just about, it's not like the Warren Buffett. I'm going to pour over the numbers and this sucks and it's not fun. And we're, we're buying companies that we like based on like the profits that they make and not based on like how much fun it is to own that company or how much we like the people there, (laughs) whatever it is, you know? And so I think that, that, you know, it's fun, you know, like ARK Invest, you know, this ARK Invest, I'm sure you're, you're aware of, of mm-hmm. like the crazy returns that they've had. Um, you know, investing, I think it's fun to invest in that because it's so fun to think I could be rich, or I could make a ton of money. It's so fun and enjoyable to believe that this item that I have is going to 10x again. Mm-hmm. And you, people have to understand that that needs to go into their assessment that a certain amount of the market is falling prey to that sort of, What I would call a rational exuberance, which is the which is the hallmark of any bubble, Mm
0: -hmm. and you have
2: to kind of measure how much irrational exuberance is there. How much do people know that that Charizard I could buy them all day at three dollars in PSA ten condition that's now selling for a thousand? Like how, like is that? What does that make you think and feel about that card? You know, does that make you think, oh, awesome? Now it's going to go. That means it's going to go. You know, because it could, but it's such risk. And it's so, it gets very removed from what do you value the item at? You know, I, I and I think what I'm trying to wrap my head around, that's so difficult. And this is where I don't, I, I don't really have answers for it is how do, how does the psychology of these collectibles differ from the psychology around stocks? How much does it differ? And. It's a bit scary to invest in collectibles, like uh, compared to stocks for me, because stocks I'm investing in, in, in profits. You know, I, I have these, these ideas of how much the company is making, I have a sense of the business model. Pokemon is like, how much do we all like these things and, mm-hmm. and believe in their potential future value? And what scares me is I think people believe way too much. When you have all the experts in a field saying that it's going to quadruple in value again, scary. Any yeah. field.
0: Yeah. Like definitely. that should
2: that should scare people that you don't have even voices. And, and, and I, and I think that it becomes, um. you know, at the end of the day, the way you invest, like, this is fun. Like, I like these products. I think that they have things are going for them. I, I think that they probably will go up over time. I, I can hold them, even if they go down in the short run, I'm planning on holding these things, enjoying them for a long time. I have this five 10 20 year time horizon on this item and i mm-hmm. i see it as an as investable that long is a is a is a completely fine way i think to do this per, just personally speaking but this like huge leveraging stuff is is what mm-hmm. is what scares me and i think that it, it creates that um it creates just like we had this sort of like black swan craziness that I think caused this market to go up 10 times I think we could have the same type of weird black swan thing where we leave our houses for COVID PSA finally catches up and all the modern supply hits the market maybe in Mm -hmm. huge batches like like the reason the market got built so much is because psa closed because everyone's at home because people got stimulus checks because people got because people were were not spending money on other things because people were bored depressed anxious needed community because people were um were were getting unemployment checks were making more on unemployment than they ever made before
0: exactly um, Yeah.
2: and like that's all crazy stuff that isn't going to be sustainable that's going to the market is going to have to correct for that stuff now, the question is, will the demand be so changed or will the demand keep growing or the awareness of Pokemon mm-hmm. kind of blast through that? And that's where the bulls, I think, have a good argument of like, there's still so many more Pokemon fans out there that it's going to not matter. Yes, there's going to be some correction for that stuff, but there's so much new interest and hype. I, I have no idea. And I don't think anyone has any clue to be completely honest, but if you're not factoring in all those things and you don't take them seriously, that's where I worry for you. And if you're particularly, if you're leveraging yourself, you know, on mm-hmm. credit, you need to take it as seriously as me, you're competing against guys like me, you're competing against big guys who have lots of money, who can, who are buying, who are doing buyouts there, there could be companies right now, but you know, doing buyouts on evolutions right now, large yeah, companies. Who understood how much was left, realized they could push it to a thousand, realized they could make $400 on the product, and now are going to sell and slowly sell mm-hmm. it out. But they're going to do it really slowly so as not to cause a panic. I mean, there's so much money to be made right now. It's so unregulated and there's so much interest that it's – it's. Um, yeah, it's we'll, – we'll have to see. What, what do you think about those concepts or those stuff that you think about?
0: I think the most important thing that uh, people have to realize is that, one, in any type of investment decision, diversification is always a good thing. So, you know, maybe you do, you have your your long-term investments. You think, okay, I'm just going to sit on these products for 5, 10, 15, 20 years, and I'm just going to see where they go. I don't feel obligated at any point that I need to sell those off because I haven't put myself in a financial position that that I have to. And then beyond that, you have more of your short term investments, investments that you think over the course of maybe one to five years, you think you can flip for and this is strictly speaking from the investment standpoint, this has nothing to do with with collectors, because it's a whole different breed. I mean, you're, you're garnering a product for your collection, because you just truly enjoy it. It doesn't have to have any financial value, it has inherent value to you. So from the investing perspective, you know having those products that you think over one to five years that you could garner a reasonable return from. And that's the thing that I think so many people um, overlook is that, you know, uh, Raffi was talking about it before over the last 150 years, 9 to 10%, S&P 500. You look over the last 20 years, it's about 6%. Like that to me is a reasonable return. So if you... You know, you're looking at something. You say, you know what? In a year or two, I think I could maybe garner 10% return. Um, or, you know, or even even 10% year over year return. Um, that to me, I mean, that's a that's a viable uh, investment decision. It's the people that are going. I- I'm going to buy this twenty five thousand dollar booster box. And I'm going to take out a loan for it. I'm going to put it on credit and I'm going to hope that it, you know, doubles in the next year or something like that. That is, those are the pitfalls and, you know, talking about the psychology and how it relates to the financial markets, I've compared the financial markets. There are a lot of analogies to stocks, bonds and collectibles, not necessarily from, you know, you know, from having an actual regulated industry, but just the the psychology of investors, and you know, you've seen this with various bubbles in the past. You saw this with the the dot com bubble. Um, there's always going to be pitfalls there, and you just have to broaden your scope. But I think, as I said, at the core of it, diversification I think is key. Uh, understand how much you can leverage to where you don't put yourself in the hole and also understand that i'll give an example here so when i first started investing in pokemon um this was back in around 2016. great time to get into uh into doing this um one of the reasons why i don't have like a large stock of investments a large an enormous collection is because I diversified many of the profits that I garnered from Pokemon into other asset classes. So I diversified that into other uh, you know, stocks, bonds, the other financial assets into real estate. And now, much in the same manner as yourself, I'm in a position where I never feel pressured that whatever I am doing, um, that I'm, I'm taking on too much, or that I feel pressured to sell. And I think if I do anything on my channel for, you know, for you guys, I think you are very, very good at looking at these underlying factors, as I said, uh, that point towards uh, the market and the overall macro economy of Pokemon and other extraneous factors outside of that. For me, it's really providing more of that uh, financial perspective and really, you know, taking something that more people are probably familiar with in you know with the financial world and with investing in that aspect and relating that to Pokemon so that they can so that they can kind of rein in their expectation and really invest for long term sustainability. Yeah
2: Yeah, you know, and I, and I think with that, um, it's impossible to time corrections it's impossible to time when short-term like short-term movements kind of up and down in my, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and when I say impossible, uh, you know, when a big hype person comes in or does something quickly out of this, you know, if you can race, you know, there are tons of people right now who are doing like momentum investing around social media where they're, they're using, you know, whatever they are to kind of be the first to hear about <laughs> the next, you know, uh, um, stock that's being that's being you know the stock that's being talked most about on social media, or the or the or the the company that that you know um, I, like I watch these dumb money guys who I think are kind of interesting mm-hmm. in terms of the way they invest. They they're literally the exact opposite of me. They they don't look at value at all. They don't look at the actual company at all. They just look at short at interest and mm-hmm. demand. Um, Yeah, yeah,
0: basically, uh, they're basically performing a sentiment analysis on, uh, on the broader, you know, in in this case, using kind of the sphere of uh, social media, or um, just kind of media in general, and, and coming to their conclusion based upon that analysis.
2: And, you know, it's, 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 I believe them when they claim that they've made, money. you know, I don't have any evidence, but they, you know, there are lots of people who claim they've made lots of money who haven't made money, but I, I personally believe them that they've made $40 million What, you know, that they've said that they've done through social mm-hmm. media momentum investing. You know, you have these huge, you know, um, uh, you know, people who are momentum investing and, you know, momentum stocks have way outpaced value, you know, financial type, you know, type, type stocks over the last 10 years, really, but in particular over the last couple of years. And um, so I don't put that down as a not a good way to invest. In fact, that's a very logical, rational way to invest in the short term. But there's huge risk in in, in investing that way, in my opinion. And there's also, um, you need to be very, you need to be able to somehow be ahead of, of basically the herd. Mm-hmm. And you're basically what you're trying to do is you're trying to move just slightly ahead of the herd. But by the time you're hearing a YouTuber tell his 40,000 view audience about a card, you aren't ahead, you aren't ahead. Mm-hmm. Like people have already known about it. They've already placed their orders. There are people far ahead of you who have the distributor to connections to get that card at retail. Like there are people who are, now you might be ahead of the next group of people. You know. So there, there are ways to stay ahead of, some part of it and still make certain returns and money. Mm-hmm. But um, so that type of investing can definitely work, but I'm definitely with you. And the way that I invest in my personality is conservative, invest in things that you understand, where you see the value in it, where you believe others over time will see the value in it, where you don't have to worry about what is the right time to sell, because there is never, unless the fundamental valuation of the thing radically changes, there isn't, like the best time to sell is in 10 years, right? The best time to mm-hmm. sell is is holding it. <laughs> you know, exactly. it, you know, and, and I'm gonna hold my Pokemon items, the ones particularly that I love from my collection, until I feel like the market's radically changed, the you know, the interest is gonna, you know, I see some some big shift. Um and that's how I invest in stocks. That's how I invest in everything in, in my life. And it's my dad's a financial advisor. And that's how I, you know, mm-hmm. I was brought up investing. And, and um, uh, I think, you know, trying to do hybrid models is interesting. Um, you know, trying to do some of both, I think taking Taking shots on certain things, but I think that when there are certain items in the hobby that I think can have both elements going for them, that they both have good fundamentals and a lot of the social media presence that you can try to get ahead of in modern, that that can be good to go for. But yeah, at the at the end of the day, uh, you have to you have to I think have a plan. Like if you really want to be a serious investor of anything, you know, it's trying to figure out what type of investor am I. How much am I going to allocate, you know, as you were saying to these different investment categories, what type of investor am I going to be within each of these categories, or you are going to probably do worse than average. If you just mm-hmm. picked random, you should just throw your money in index funds because studies show that we're very bad. You know, we tend to, we tend to buy things when they go up and sell things when they go down. Mm-hmm. The exact opposite Buy high,
0: sell people low. Do. Yeah.
2: You should be, you know, and, and. And it's human nature. And so that is just very true. And so you have to understand that about your own psychology and figure out how you are going to can either have that self-control to get to sort of get around that. And one way is just buy things that you think have good value and hold them forever, you know, mm-hmm. is, is a great strategy for that. Um Another thing is setting price points where you're actually going to sell an item. You know, I have people coming to me all the time saying, "Is now the right time to sell evolutions? Is now the right time to sell evolutions? Is now the right time?" You know, it's, and kind, it's, of like, like, it's kind of like it's kind of like
0: it's kind of like placing a stop or a sell limit on your on your product.
2: Yeah, it's like, well, do you you know do you believe in this item? You know, I, I there were people who bought it and then sold for lower because they were like. You know, I only bought it to make money. I didn't actually believe in the item. You know, if you, Mm -hmm. you know, I know you made a video saying that you still think Evolutions is underpriced or that you see it. You think it's going to be one of the growers for for next year. I do want to press you on that because I think if we compare that to vintage, I just want to hear your sort of analysis of why do you think a thousand dollars on that would be better than certain things, and it might absolutely be. But um, but, but yeah, but but um, sorry, I keep losing my train of thought, but uh. I worked a full day today and i'm
0: (laughs) well and and for for those of you out there that don't know uh jake is very well qualified to speak on the psychology of the market because you are you're a therapist by trade correct
2: yeah yeah i'm a licensed therapist
0: so i mean he's he's studied this stuff maybe not necessarily in the capacity of this maybe you guys did while, while you were in school but uh you know, he, I was very interested in
2: economics and and did it and took a bunch of game theory courses and I've always been fascinated Mm -hmm. with, um, with, with these types of topics. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, you guys, you guys do a fantastic job of, of bringing these things to light. And, and again, they're not always the, the easiest conversation, but it's a conversation, um, you know, that we, that we need to have. Um, But yeah, going, going to your question about, um, evolutions, I wouldn't say, you know, when, when I created that video, I, you know, how it is in the YouTube sphere, um, top videos, they always, they always do well, but I want to put this out there and I want to let people know that, um, you know, from, if you're looking at the echelon, I think that evolutions is still a good buy, even at that $1,000 price point, um, Because, again, we're looking at a reasonable return. I personally think that if you bought Evolutions at $1,000, do I think that you could probably perform as well or maybe keep pace with the same rate of return that, let's say, the S&P 500 would have? Yes, I do. And so a lot of the time, and then I follow up with that with first edition Neo Hollows, but it's it's at a price point that I think is still attainable by the average investor. And I try to appeal to that as much as I can uh, on my channel as well, is trying to find ways, you know, we talk about value investing, finding those areas that are overlooked, that are undervalued. And that's not to say that evolutions is. Quote unquote, undervalued at this point. But I think it can still, it still has enough of an opportunity that when I look at it from a reasonable return perspective and also at the price point that it's currently at, I think that it's still a good buy for the majority of people.
2: So you, do you think it's a better buy than, to put you on the spot here, do you think it's a better buy than buying like PSA 10 first edition hollows from Watsi or E Series?
0: if you, you, know, you can
2: buy 3 3 of them probably you know depending on the cards from like e series or something
0: mhm um I, I would say it depends on perhaps the the time horizon you know if we're looking over the course of, of 2021 um i look at this year and and again ca- talking about that momentum type of investing if i look at 2021 and i say this is also an anniversary the 25th anniversary for pokemon and people maybe coming into the hobby or looking back on some of these previous milestone sets. That's why I would be more of an advocate, I would say, for evolutions just based upon uh, that precedent, where, yes, over the long term, five, 10 years are those first edition uh, hollows? are they, are they going to outperform evolutions, in my opinion, more than likely, more than likely. But really looking over the course of this year, um, I would say that, you know, based upon that, um, I would maybe be a little more bullish towards evolutions, but it could be very well the opposite. You know, it could be where, again, the community is becoming more educated uh, there's more voices out there um, that people start to realize this start to realize you know what uh, you know just from a quantity perspective I can pick up three of these for the price of an evolutions uh, booster box yeah, you'll own you can like see like 10 just,
2: percent yeah. of the population of a card in the world for the price of one booster box where there are probably yeah. a million of I mean it's those numbers are kind of staggering from a rarity perspective now what I will say is They're such different entities, right? So comparing, I mean, comparing one in terms of what you like in terms of being a sealed collector versus.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: I I really like your analysis there on the evolutions booster box. I think you're right. The way that I think about it though is that, I think that box could go to ten thousand. I think that box go ten thousand. I think that box go to two thousand. I think that box go to in the next year. I think that box go back to one hundred fifty in the next year, to two hundred in the next year. Um. Mm -hmm depending on how many are being opened and depending on people's belief and faith in it, because it's so, it, it needs so much demand for it to keep doing that. Whereas you need barely any demand for these, these vintage cards, you know, to, you know, a $300 card could be worth $10,000 cards. It could be, could mm-hmm. be worth 10,000 if you have 30 people with enough money who want that card eventually, you know, and of course the way that, Part of the, the the struggle and the secret of why rare cards may not do very well is because they, they're not able to sell publicly and ladder up as much, and that doesn't give people the confidence that it's actually worth that amount. Mm-hmm. Because people like to check eBay's old listings, see that it was sold for that amount, and then no one wants to pay the new highest price. People want to get into exactly. pay the former price. And so all mm-hmm. of that is involved in that. But in the long, long run, that stuff is probably not going to matter – that – it's going to matter, but not nearly as much. That's going to be, that's more, I think, shorter term. And I mean, even five years, you know, type of stuff that that creates these very um, odd differences between collectibles and the way collectible markets and prices get established versus uh, versus um, stocks that are, you know, mm-hmm. that are, are uh, traded and, and so liquid, you know, and, and behave so differently because that in the short term. But I actually think in the long term, the value assessments are, are gonna be where it's at there. Uh, I do agree with you though, that like any card that moves up a ton in value could move up a ton again in this type of environment. And that those mm-hmm. are the cards that I think and sets that I think um, if you're looking for those, short, those short-term short returns, uh, you know, would be interesting there. I, I do think it's interesting that you also think that it, it's gonna go up over time. That's where I like, I don't know where you're getting that evaluation from, I just have no evaluation. <laughs> like, <I'm a> <laughs> lost. I am so lost on evolutions and I'm so, I just feel like we have no idea about that because there's so mm-hmm. many in that box and we just have so little idea how many are gonna be opened and how, how that's gonna age. And for me, the best I can do is compare it to other collectibles. There's nothing really that close because th- that is so close to that. But when I look at like reprints from other collectibles, You know, for example, you see like a $2 million Batman 1 sell, okay? For in Mm -hmm. CGC 9.4 for $2.2 the reprint comic of that from 1984, which is over 40 years, in 9.4 sells for $100. So $2.2 million to $100. That's what I expect to happen in Pokemon if Pokemon gets established. I expect all these other cards to be worth tens of thousands if Pokemon becomes established, and I expect all these modern cards to not move at all or go down from what they are right now. If it follows the trend, that's not my trend, that's the Mm -hmm. trend of these other markets. And so now if Pokemon could be very, could be different. And because of the generational effect could be different to some extent, but the reason why it's so similar to comic books is it's the same characters across. And the reason why that original Batman is so expensive is people wanted that for that Batman one. Um, it's not the first appearance of Batman, but you know, the first appearance of Batman, it, you know, is before and that comic's worth even a lot more than that. And 9.4, I don't even know how much it would be worth. But um, the other thing is that these things do not move like normal items, like even those mm-hmm. items. They like go up, you know, because they're so rare, it's like you have one auction, just like this Lugia auction where the Lugia out of nowhere, first edition PSA 10 Neo, went for 129,000. Hmm. presumably because two people were willing to want it way more than anyone else ever did. That car was going for $3,000, right? Mm-hmm. $3,000 for it or $4,000, maybe $5,000, depending on your time frame. went to $129,000. That's an insane return, right?
0: Was this, was this uh, just recently on uh, eBay? Is this where you're seeing Or is this in an auction house?
2: Through, the PWCC auction through, through eBay, but yeah, but through PWCC auction, whereas one just sold now for 79000 so it went down. Yeah, I was, yeah,
0: was going to say that's the one that I, I, I must have missed the one at, uh, you said 120, yeah. but I, I saw-
2: Two months ago.
0: And that's mm-hmm. part
2: of why this, this card has made big news is because that that big drop. But people will say, oh my God, you know, that that card is having a big retrace. Like that's not what happened there. Yeah. Like that's a misunderstanding of the market. What happened probably is there were two people who really wanted it for a huge, huge, huge evaluation. It was also mm-hmm. at the, the top. And now this time- the two people who wanted it the most or three or whatever, you know, were only willing to pay that much. And so Mm -hmm. for those types of items, particularly in the long, long, long run, like you could see those tremendous, you know, values, particularly when these items only sell once a year or once every three years. Because Mm -hmm. the big thing that people miss right now in vintage is that there's a, it seems like it's not that much scarcer than modern because it's still selling so much because people are selling it but it's so much rarer than modern and so if that gets gobbled up for real and we stop seeing constant auctions where you can buy it you're going to see prices soar on those types of items i promise mm-hmm. you it's the exact same thing we saw in these other these other collectible categories whereas that i don't see that ever happening with modern and i do think that if you see that soar Will it bring more interest into modern? I believe, PokéNav, that a lot of people are investing into modern because they think it's going to be the next vintage. You know, They think mm-hmm. that it's going to move the same way. And it just doesn't have any of the same fundamentals. None of it, except that it has the same Pokemon on it. It's much more akin to 80s, 90s comics and sports cards through the junk wax era, where basically they were printing it so much, everyone thought it was going to be extremely you know, rich. And those comics and things are worth less now today. and And booster boxes and cards are worth less now today. 40 years later, 30 years later, 20 years later, in some cases. Now, the top 1% of those things have gone up a lot in value. And so if, if what holds true for, for um, those markets holds true for Pokemon, that's what I would expect to see. But my response, and, and I said this in the beginning, there is just isn't enough data. Just because those hobbies move that way, I don't feel confident that Pokemon mm-hmm. is going to move that way. There's a ton of risk. But understanding why those moved that way, how that might be applicable to this, I think is really important. And then it's all about, as we've talked a lot about mitigating risk, you know, Mm -hmm. um, whether it's not overspending, budgeting, or diversifying, you know, if you, if you, you know, want to try certain things in the market, try a little vintage here, try a little modern and kind of see how it, how it does over time.
0: Mm -hmm. For sure. For sure. No, I, I think that's, that's, that's a perfect way to leave off here because i think at the core of it uh that's really what i think both jake and i and i'm sure rafi would would agree on guys is that if you're going to go about this do so in a financially sound manner diversify yourself um and above all else try to garner as much information and as much knowledge as you possibly can and get it from as many diverse resources, and then bring that together, um, bring all of that together, bring that financial soundness, bring the information that you get from Jake and from Rafi, uh, from all of these other great uh, content creators out there, bring that together. Uh, because in the end, knowledge is going to be power. And if you've got the uh, financial foundation taken care of, uh, in the long term, you're, you're probably going to end up better off. But Jake, hey man, I, I really, really appreciate you being here today as well as Raffi. Uh, this was an awesome, awesome conversation. Uh, we didn't even get into like a third.
1: <laughs>
0: it's, right. But honestly, this this was exactly what I wanted to discuss here today, um, because as I said, I think these are two, uh, components or two aspects, uh, that many people overlook, uh, the history of cards and sets and the psychology of the market. I know you have, uh, spoken about them on your channel as well as, as Rafi, uh, but a lot of the time, as I said, people just kind of overlook them or breeze by, by them. Cause it's not, it's, it's not as exciting as just throwing out, um, you know, buy these cards or buy this set, um. But guys, this is this is really, really important information. And uh, Jake, if there's anyone listening out there that uh, they may not be familiar with you guys or where to find you, uh, what are your different socials so that they could go and check you guys out?
2: Um, so we have an Instagram account um, that we check for messages. We don't post there too often in terms of new pictures, but you can see a little bit of my collection there. Um, and it's just Pokemonix with an underscore at the end. Um and yeah in our our youtube channel um Pokenomics with jake and raffy uh thank you so much for for having me on uh really appreciate it i you know uh if any of your viewers manage to to make it <laughs> through, <laughs> through the whole thing um you must really love pokemon <laughs> or interested in the same sort of stuff as as us and um you know i'd love to continue the discussion and and you know certainly have you on our channel and um, my favorite thing to do is to do lives. I know you do some of them too. So maybe we mm-hmm. can have you on, on for that if you're interested. And, um, yeah, I really, uh, I respect you. I respect what you're doing here. Um, I really appreciate that, that you sort of allowed me to, to, uh, and I'd love to go more in depth and maybe on my channel we can, but, you know, to push back and, and, you know, uh, I think that that that's important. I think people Mm -hmm. debating ideas and sharing different ideas in a a respectful way is actually how people can make better sense of these things for themselves. Definitely. uh, i think that's something that that you know you can help bring to this space and hopefully i can help bring to this space and, and other content creators where we can actually say our true feelings even if they disagree you know with mm-hmm. each other while not condemning people's motives or or condemning <laughs> that that someone yeah. doesn't care about their audience or care about the pokemon community or you know i think everyone is doing this to try and help you know help the help people and and
0: mm-hmm.
2: share what our what, what we think is true you know, to, mm-hmm. to the best of our ability and will be useful. So yeah, thank you very yeah. much for having me on.
0: Of course, man. You just gave me an idea. I, I can already see a, a Pokemon round table where we get, <laughs> get you know, get someone that has uh, differing perspectives, uh, maybe from the two of us and, uh, you yeah. know, just have a, a little round table. I think that would be fantastic.
2: Yeah, J- Rafi and I have talked about doing debates with him moderating, where we bring mm-hmm. people on and we would like debate a specific topic. And I think that too would be would be great. But the roundtable would be yeah, it would be would be awesome. So,
0: excellent, excellent. Well, again, Jake, thank you so much for being here. Uh, everybody, be sure you go and check out uh, Jake and Rafi on their Pokonomics channel. Awesome content. And other than that, guys, we will see you all next time right here on the Pokemon Masterclass. Take care, everybody.